Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hello, Tender Wild podcast listeners. On today's episode, Betsy and I are going to talk about the power and complicated world of female friendships. Can be complicated. Yes. And this has come up for us a couple times in the last few weeks, even in our own friendship, I think. Yeah. And partnership and in some conversations we've had post-yoga with some other people. And so we just kind of felt like diving into this idea of friendships and what it looks like over the course of your life and how things change and the difference between men and women. Yeah. And so maybe at the outset of this conversation, if you're listening, just taking a moment to reflect about the nature of your female friendships. Do you have a lot? Are they easy? Are they complicated? Do you trust your feminine friends? Um, These are all things we want to kind of um, dive into and understand as to why sometimes we actually have challenges. Yes, it's not always easy. No, no relationship I think is. No. But I think that sometimes feminine friendships have a couple extra things at play that aren't um, always present in male-to-male friendships or even romantic partnerships. Um, So yeah, we're going to we're going to attempt yeah, to yeah. work with this topic. Yeah. So let's start with our friendship story. I know we've talked about how we met our friendship story. <laughs> yes. Um, and I wish I could remember what year it was because I really don't. I have no idea either. I just know that I knew of who you were and we sort of floated in and out at various events. And I always was drawn to you and was curious about you, but never really... Yeah. Connected until I think we both reached a point where we wanted more depth and more realness in our connections, not so surfacey. And we were just both at a point in time where we were ready for that. Is that how you remember? Yeah. Well, I remember we have this a is mutual- like Hallie met Sarah. <laughs> where Harry met Sally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we had a mutual friend, uh, Laura, who said to me, you need to, you need to meet my friend, Betsy, you, mm-hmm. I think you two would really hit it off. So again, women like connecting women. And, uh, then we were at some party, I think where we had a little bit deeper discussion, yeah. um, at a party, which normally it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. Surface. Yeah. Light. So I did, I had that same sense of like, you know, this is someone that I, I feel very connected to and how you kind of looked at the world and, um, and we had a lot of mutual friends. But it's funny that we hadn't really ever, we did have a lot of mutual friends, but hadn't really ever So that's connected. the timing of everything. It is timing. And then I remember we would end up in my office often having these deep conversations. And at one point you would say like, we should be recording these. These are really, yeah, you know, interesting. And then 
we traveled together on a couple of retreats and then we were like, we should make a podcast. Yeah. And that was probably over the course of when you say several years, five, six years. So it builds just like any relationship. It's like building blocks and we, but we continued to kind of invest in it. Yeah. And then I think, you know, I think about being a little girl and my girlfriends growing up, I think when you have kind of a dream that you share together, like it kind of bonds you. And I think when we, or if you're going through hard things, you know, at different times, which, you know, we have been there for each other through hard chapters. Yeah. yeah, You just, it's like investing in the relationship and it's always felt to me very reciprocal. Like, yes, there's a beautiful give and take. It's not like one of us over giving and the other one is taking more. It feels very balance, even in how we run this podcast, like some weeks you'll take over more because I'm overwhelmed. And then other weeks I do. And we don't even figure that out. We don't question it. It just happens. And we don't, it feels very even. Yeah. And we don't, I've appreciated, especially like in the last couple of weeks that have been really busy for both of us. We also don't, we don't make each other feel bad. We, we honor this is, you know, she's got a lot going on. So I'll take the lead on this. And there's, so there's also We've matured probably, but we don't have drama around it either. It's Yeah, not- there's no drama. There's no drama in this relationship, which I so appreciate. Yeah. And even in these last couple of weeks, we were facing something um, in terms of, you know, professionally for our work together. And I had a totally different take on it than you did. And I could see your perspective and you could see my perspective and we could like honor that we had different feelings about it. And just how we navigated that was so beautiful because, you know, we were both able to have, I wouldn't call it conflicting opinions, but we had different takes on the situation Mm -hmm. and we didn't fight about it. We didn't shut down. We just kind of kept talking our way through it and then really came, I feel like appreciating you even more. Like I'm so glad Kate has this whole different perspective than me. Well, and helpful. Yeah. And that's the balance in a friendship too, I think. And, and the honesty that we've developed over time, being able to be honest with each other. Yeah. Um, and value each other's opinions, right? It wasn't about either of us being right. Uh, like that we had to choose one or the other. We actually came up with a solution that we both felt good about. Both sides. Yes. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's friendships and then there's what we have taken a friendship and created like a partnership to yeah. work. And so that's, that to me, I think you and I both work really hard at maintaining the balance of those things. Yes. Because I know a lot of women that I've talked with you know, over the years and doing business coaching or work in my previous job where there's beautiful partnerships. And then there's a lot of uh, female partnerships that don't work out because, mm. um, for whatever reason. And that may be true for men too, but I think it hurts a little more for women sometimes. And so I've all, I've felt over the last few years, like you and I have really been conscious about doing this in a way that we honor each other and we're honest with each other. And yes, all the things that we know can be challenges. We, we acknowledge them, but then we we work through them together. So talk through it. Yeah. It's communication is key. Turns out that's key in all relationships. Turns out. Um, Yeah. Well, and we had a great conversation this week um, after a yoga class with um, a male student. And it was just very serendipitous. He stayed after and was talking about a book. He was ready to return to the library about 
modern men in our current culture and the difficulties of it. So we were talking a little bit about the difference between women's friendships and men's friendship. And so we want to just go into that a little bit. He shared a story, which I thought was so classic that he had been traveling recently with a group of guy friends. They were in Canada or something. Yeah. They were like somewhere on the West coast. And he was like, yeah, for the first two days, we talked about sports. We flipped each other's shit. We talked about surface stuff in our jobs. And then finally, day three, we ran out of things to say. And so we started to talk about real things. And I thought that was so classic because at least in my female friendships, I want to drop in and talk about feelings and challenges and hard stuff. And it usually, well, it never, I can never think of a time it's taken three days. Like no. it doesn't even usually for me take five minutes No, I <laughs> and know. I'm right there. Yeah. 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 And that, I think that is traditionally how, how it, how it is with female friendships. Um, they're yeah. more intense. Um, they're often based on uh, true connection in a way to yeah. me. There's like, it's not even necessarily about, I think sometimes male friendships are based on this guy could help me get clients or this guy could yeah. introduce me to people. It can get me ahead kind of thing. Or we go golf together. Yeah. Or we play basketball together. More activity based. Yes. Yes. And I think for women, it's more connection and. and yeah. Better. And communication and depth. But I, as I was doing a little bit of research on this, I found it very fascinating that uh, male relationships, male friendships between two men are less fragile which I thought was really curious that even if they haven't talked, this is my husband's situation. He's got some roommates from college that he hasn't talked to in like a decade, but he's, they're still his good buddies. Whereas if I haven't talked to a friend for a long period of time, I think, oh, she's probably written me off and doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> so men, like they can argue, they cannot talk to each other for long periods of time. They can totally taunt each other and they don't, have this fear or this worry of losing that relationship. So, whereas I think with women, they do tend to be a little bit more fragile or we have to maybe work in a different way to keep them. That's so true. They And men are good at compartmentalizing things too, where I think women are also kind of more fluid about things. And yeah. So when you say, oh, you know, they can like put Bill on the shelf for a while yeah. and pull him back down and there's just not a feeling of worry that or animosity no. or no, what have you been saying about me? Yeah. And my husband's, um, I've noticed his friendships. He has distinct groups from different parts of his life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he'll like that. I say this, but he, if he's a, if he answers a call, I can almost tell which group, which of, era. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's interesting because he kind of has, you know, his high school buddies and they have their own little lingo and kind of the way they their joke. banter. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, same with college it's, and it's a little different. And then his friends today, which I would say for the most part, he's really invested in almost fewer people, but deeper. Yeah. But that's, you know, where he is in his life and, and, and probably honestly where I am in my life a bit too, but the research says that that actually happens around 25, like after college, yeah. your circle gets yeah. smaller. Yeah. So, and then I think it just continues to get deeper and. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about, you know, there's been so much conversation and talk about the epidemic of loneliness 
uh, especially in, because of COVID and post-COVID that we became so distanced and disconnected from our neighbors and our friend groups and that we know there's so much physical and emotional diagnoses that can come out of uh, loneliness. I think I read somewhere that it's more dangerous than packing smoking. or smoking a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. A day. A day, right? <laughs> well, and I've always felt that the pandemic hit at a time when social media was completely kind of taking over our world too. Yes. Like these things kind of happened. And then we relied more on social media. Yes. We were isolated physically. We wanted to be connected. Yeah. But it's not a true connection. It's a false connection. Yes. But there is a hormone that's released. Uh-huh. Right. That, uh -huh. that dopamine hit you get. Yes. And so it's almost like we, in some ways, because of that time period, we replaced the real connection hormone that you get. Oxytocin. Yes. Mm -hmm. With dopamine, which is like these quick hits that peak and valley. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think there's so many things that collided during this time that have led us to the moment we're in. Yeah. And, um, and being able to find opportunities to be physically with people now becomes it, it to me has become more important than ever. Yeah. Because you can scroll and get the 411 yeah. on people's lives and know, but you don't really know because, of course, only people post usually right. happy, positive things. Um, so you feel like you know what so-and-so from high school is doing, but you don't really have a connection with them anymore. So it is such a false sense of friendship or connection. Um, and I think it's really catching up with us. People are really feeling that sense of loneliness or that sense of like, I'm not really being seen or heard. Right. And we know how women especially need that interconnectivity. I mean, that's very feminine. Yes. You know, being, uh, you know, being together in a space and being able to have that emotional connection. And so we were away from it for a period of time. And I remember being like, it was harder for me than Joe, for sure. Oh yeah. Um, it was really hard on me. Yeah. And so we're both pretty extroverted and traditionally have both had a lot of friends, right. which I know is not necessarily the norm, but it's just sort of how both of us have moved through life thus far. Although I know for both of us, we've agreed that it's changed right? and we have far fewer friends, but more deep depth friends. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's the, the pandemic did change. Yeah. So now I think we're trying, we're in kind of a new era of... How do you navigate, how do you get back to what you need in a world that is still moving so quickly and so much of, of what we're consuming is online? Yeah. So, you know, the only way to really do it. And right now, as I say this, I'm like, where's my phone? I saw you looking off to the side with a little bit of panic. It's very good, Kate. Do we need to do a little online therapy right now? Yeah, <laughs> we do. With, with your phone. It's like an appendage that you're like. I know. You're like, where's my where's my left hand? <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it's a good time for people to to consider that. So I want to ask Kate, just in light of really your life, I remember in a past episode, you and this phrase has stayed with me. You've called yourself a collector of people. And that's one thing I've always noticed about you is you are really 
uh, invested in relationship. Like you really connect with people and you know a lot of people and you're great at connecting people with other people you know. That's one of, I feel like it's the heart of one of your strengths. So I'm curious about your female friendships growing up and were they easy? Were they plenteous? Did you have any breakups? Like what was your whole female friendship path? Well, I had two really strong friendships early on. They were two girls that were older than me, which is interesting. Two years older, actually. And uh, we spent we spent so much time together, um, probably from when I was about three or four. We danced at the same dance company. Mm-hmm. Um, we played on the same sports teams. Um, our parents were friends. And so, and then I had my own two little sisters. So I had kind of these built in, I feel a like posse of girls I growing up, didn't I you? did yeah. that I, that I could connect with. Um, but ironically, nobody exactly my age. Yeah. So I had, you know, the younger and the older, um, which I learned different things from. Um, and then I think I would say that in, for girls, my age, I had, I had, I grew up in a very small school at 35 people in my class. Oh, wow. So you're, you're bound to be, and I tried to be friends with everyone yeah. Know, because it's a small school. You really didn't want to be s- selective because yeah. that would come back and bite you. You're in a small setting. And, um, but my closest friends were still these older two. Yeah. And I think that probably impacted how close I could get to kind of my group of friends in high school, um, a little bit. But for the most part, um, I mean, I, gosh, I, you know, I had, I had certainly issues at different times. I was part of a basketball team that was pretty successful growing up. And so I had this team of girls that I played with and we were very close. We had a lot of ups and downs together, but it was a, such an amazing experience for me growing up of like a team. So I saw how we, you know, early on how to rely on one another and support each other. And when we didn't, we would lose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah. And that we'd go through hard times when, you know, we'd struggle. But I would say, and then in college, again, I had a very a group of like four or five. I always kind of have a, I feel like kind of this smaller size. I don't know why that is, but yeah. like closer and smaller group. Yeah. Um so I had great friends in college as well. So I have strong relationships still with most of those groups. Um, although some that I miss have kind of fallen away and, and I just recently actually kind of tried to find someone that I missed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you made an effort to reach out to yeah. someone. Yeah. It's cool. Um, and thinking about, oh, I wonder how, how did we lose touch? How did that happen? And you know, it's never anyone's fault necessarily. Life happens. Life happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of, it's fun. And I would encourage anyone listening to kind of do a little bit of a review of your life and who was there at these critical times and who, what did these women mean to you and who do you need to reach out to again? Mm. Um, because I, there's nothing more powerful. I have this girlfriend from college and I don't get to see her very much. She lives out on the East coast and I, I swear to God, like about every nine months, like I'll be kind of thinking about her and she'll ping me. Wow. We don't talk very regularly, but, yep. and she will literally not just ping me. She will call me. Oh, that's cool. 
That's an old fashioned, old fashioned conversation. Yeah. And Not these text back and forth people, no. real yeah. conversation. Yeah. And we laugh and it's like this, this touch base in a, in a but in a very, we go deep very quick. It's yeah. like, you know, so, yeah. And so I, I feel very lucky to have had all the great women friendships that I have. And, and it is something that probably is in my, you know, it's a value of mine. Yeah. And so I know. And you practiced it. I think I that's another key. You practiced it. You've made efforts over the years yeah. to connect and to stay connected. And um, so it's not to say that uh, friendship is easy for anyone, right? Like it it actually takes, and we're going to in a moment talk about why sometimes it's hard. Um, but I do want to reflect to you. I feel like you, you've put in the time and the effort to maintain these friendships. Yeah. And I, and sometimes, you know, you get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it, you're right. It's not always easy. Um, but I would say that it's worth it, even though yeah. it's been, yeah. there's been moments where it's been hard yeah. and, and I'm sure I've wounded others as much as I feel like at times, maybe I've been wounded by other sisters. So, um, but I hope as I age, you know, to do less and soon, none of that, if I, if I still am just being more conscious of it. Yeah. How about you? Because you, yeah, you know, yeah, but my high school class was a little bit bigger. I think I had 120 kids in my class. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I had a little best friend growing up who was at a different school than me. Um, Then I had a really dear best friend who I kind of met. She transferred into our school in junior high. Um, I love you, Nicole, but she was only there for a couple of years and then she moved to Phoenix. And that was heart-wrenching because I kind of had found this best friend. And then she left right at that time when you're going into high school and you could use a best friend. So I would say I didn't really have um, best friends in high school. I had lots of friends, um, went off to college, again, had lots of female friends, like and I'm still in touch with so many of them. Uh, really rich times in dorm rooms and deep conversations and late night studying and going out on the town together. But when you live with people, it's a whole Oh, yeah. Of- My yeah. senior year of college, I lived in an old Victorian house with eight women and we all menstruated at the same time. And there was never toilet paper in the house. And, you know, there's always some hilarious drama going on. Um, but it was such a great thing. And I, and I'm curious because you have two sisters. I have one sister, no brothers for either of us. That could be a part of why uh, female friendships have been very natural for both of us, because it's what we grew up with. I grew up in a sea of the feminine around me all the time. So I have often felt like I have struggled more in my relationships with men uh, than my relationships with women because I was so accustomed to sort of how women function and the moods of women and the capacity to converse and go deep. Um, So I'm wondering if that's a part of it. Yeah. 
I actually had, so I had a cousin, a guy cousin who's the same age. Mm. So of course our lockers were together. Because like you had the same years. last name. Yes. And um, he and I were, he was like a brother to me. Okay. So I kind you of did had, have that. And then, you know, I had a couple other really close guy friends growing up. So I would say I it kind of affected maybe how I dated because I would be, I'd want to just be friends. Because mm, you were used to having yeah. friends. And then I didn't want to ever lose that part. So if someone wanted to date, I'd be like, oh, I'd really think hard about that because yeah. I really preferred having guy friends around because I did kind of grow up with that. So I would say I actually- You got them both. Balance. You got the best of both worlds. Yeah, I did. Okay. Well, I have to say that I had an experience a couple of years ago that sort of shocked me. Um, I was on a little girl's trip with uh, three women that I had met in the past year on a retreat. And so on this retreat, we had, um, because of the nature of the retreat, it was a very deep healing retreat. We had all bonded very quickly. We kind of knew really the intimacies of each other quite quickly because we'd been on this healing retreat together. Um, We kind of all fell in love with each other. And so we did this trip, I don't know, six months later. And these women were talking about what a completely new experience it was to feel so close and trusting of women. And all of them were just like kind of in amazement. And it was my first moment that I became aware of like, oh, other women don't have this. Other women maybe haven't had the opportunities or the experiences I've had in female friendships and the closeness that can be experienced there. And it really piqued my kind of internal questioning of like, why is that? Yeah, because it felt normal to you. It felt normal and to me to be on this girl's trip with women and yeah. to be sharing and laughing. And it felt very new to these other women. Yeah. And so what I kind of realized is that all three of these women had had really... Um, challenging relationships with their mothers. One was totally estranged from her mother. Another had a mother with uh, mental illness. Another one just kind of had some rocky road, a rocky road with her mother, was closer with her father. And so it made me wonder if um, our capacity or our ability to sort of trust women and open ourselves to female female friendships is impacted by what kind of mothering we had. Because I do think the same fears and longings that may have surfaced with our mother can definitely surface in female friendships. That's fascinating. Yes. Did, did you have that conversation with these women? I did talk to them briefly about it, but it was more retrospectively when I got home that I was like, huh, that's so interesting. What is this about? And, you know, it it made me think about some of my training. And I love this concept about um, the good enough mother. The idea of the good enough mother was put out there by a psychologist named Winnicott. And it's this idea that our mothering doesn't have to be perfect. We will not do it perfect. But if we actually give our children protection from adult problems and we let them stay sort of in kid land where they're in the flow of their own childhood, so we're protecting them from 
adult fights or adult issues that we're struggling with. We're not trying to put our stuff on our kid. We let them sort of have a childhood, even if we're really struggling. That's called the good enough mother. But not all children get that, right? So a lot of times children become quite parentified. They their parent is struggling, their mother is struggling. And so the kid is the emotional support for the parent or the kid is there to help mom. And so that that sort of changes a kid's perception of um, nurturing and yeah. you know, the depth of a caring connection. And it's not to blame the mother because I just want to say I am a firm believer that we too often in our culture, put all the blame on the mother. Yeah. There are just situations where a mother literally doesn't have the emotional resources, doesn't have the time resources, is is in so much of her own challenge that she literally, it's not that she doesn't love the child, she literally doesn't have the energy to give. To give. She literally doesn't have the love to give. And so, of course, we've talked a lot on this podcast about those first 10 years. We're really impacted by what we grew up in, for better or worse. Yes. Sitting here wondering if I've been a good enough mother. Um, we all wonder that. Yeah. I think we all wonder. Because it's it's the work. When you are a mother, you're a mother forever. It's not, you don't turn the keys over at yeah. 18. You, I find that I'm mothering differently and I'm walking more alongside my kids than ever before, waiting, you know, in the wings a little bit more. But my daughter and I have started to have some of these conversations too at her age of like looking back because I also want to, I want to give her permission as a mother someday to know that it's, it's not different. about perfection yeah. and it's not about perfection. Yeah. But the more aware you are at a, you know, Every generation, I feel like, just gets a little bit better about this. Yeah. And having those conversations now to kind of hopefully plant those seeds with her. And also, you know, understanding our dynamic of, you know, when I'm hanging on too tight or being, you know, trying to protect too much. Yeah. You know, letting her make her own mistakes, letting her make her own decisions without me suggesting and, mm -hmm. you know. Um, someone told me once that as your kids age to in there, you start a conversation to ask them before we start, are you looking for advice or are you looking for me to just listen mm. so that you both, you set the boundary up and they may say, I need both, or they may say, you know, it, it just depends on the, what the conversation is. But someone said to me once, and I've started trying to do that more. With your adult kids. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise I go right into, you know, coaching Between, mode and yeah. yeah, like, and, and sometimes it's just listening. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, coaching should be a lot about just listening and letting people find their own answers too, but it's harder as a, as a mom yeah. because there's just this nurturing part of you that wants to them to avoid pain. And yeah. the reality is that's not real life. Yeah. So well, and I just want to take a moment to speak to any woman that's out there that is thinking like, yeah, I have had challenges in my female friendships where I don't have very many and I want more and maybe relate to this idea of that. Yeah, they're, they're, I have a challenging relationship with my mother. You know, I think um, what I want to 
help get a, across is that, you know, there's a couple things that happened when maybe we didn't have a really solid loving connection with our mother. And that could be for many reasons. Again, our mom might've been very young when she had us or might've been in school or overwhelmed paying the bills. There's so many really valid reasons why our mom maybe couldn't have been there for us fully emotionally. But how I see it translate into female friendships as adults is either women don't trust other women. Mm -hmm. They don't believe they're really going to be there for them. They're fearful of opening up to them and being vulnerable with them. They're kind of mistrustful and or they are willing to stick with friends that aren't always so kind or nice to them. Right. They're willing Wrong. to sort of like stick with friends that can be sort of mean or judging or critical because they are they're kind of, to. yeah, they're kind of fearful that, well, maybe I don't deserve a female friendship that's really loving and kind and nurturing and open and safe. And so a woman's willingness to stick with friends that maybe she's outgrown or maybe aren't kind to her. It's like you can get stuck in, in kind of unhealthy patterns with other women. And the reality is we, there's so much to be gained when we are there for one another, when we really do show up for each other. Yeah. So I think for all of us to think about how we exist in other relationships, how, how are we really, are we really kind of there for the big stuff? Are we checking in? And, and I think as you do your own work and maybe look back at your life and you're you know, yes. going through your own healing, it only improves your relationships because you can then show up in them differently and you start to attract what, what you are becoming as you heal too. Right. But if you keep finding yourself in friendships that kind of uh, disappear or don't treat you well or ignore you, I mean, I think it is... It is something that we need to sort of understand, like, why do I keep attracting this in? And why do I keep maintaining this? Um, and so again, that's where the inner work comes in is understanding your own patterning and not blaming yourself for it. Because we didn't have a choice in how right. we were raised. Right. <laughs> that's part of the challenge here. Like we, even if our mother, we could see she was severely ill or had something major going on as a kid, you can't rescue or care for or um, heal a parent that the dynamic isn't set up like that. No, and you're not, you're not, you're not prepared, prepared to do that. To do that. Mm -hmm. But often we, we believe that we needed to do that. And so we find ourselves in similar relationships down the road. So I do think that's why it's so important to look back and see like, yeah. what was my connection with my mom and how could that maybe translate to my connection with female friendships? And then I think the art of discernment and friendships is so important. Mm -hmm. And you and I have had so many conversations about this. Yeah. And we all have permission for this. We don't, we don't need to get permission. Yeah. We, we, we ourselves have the ability to set the boundary and say, this isn't healthy for me. It's not good for me. Yeah. You're in a different place than I am. Yeah. Or just to let them go. So yeah. It doesn't have to sometimes no. be a big old drawn out breakup. No. Breakup. It's just a gentle parting of ways where you yeah. just aren't talking in Which the same way. the pandemic actually did give us. I think it did too. Um, because there's a natural, you know, period where you're away from people. You start to, it was really good for me. I remember thinking, 
gosh, who do I miss? Mm. And then I, I knew who I missed. Yeah. And then I, you know how you'd run into some, like once we were back out in the world and you'd be like, oh, I totally about that person, <laughs> which is a terrible kind of thing to say, but it's honest. Yeah, like it's you just honest. You just, there are people that, you know, you had deeper relationships with. And there's and chapters of life. Chapters. There's some friends that you needed in your yes. teenage years and they're not the same people you need in your midlife. Yes. And that's okay. We don't have to, yeah, you know. And that's one thing I probably, when you said I'm a collector of people, I do feel like um, I, I love running into someone I haven't seen in a long time. And it may be a five minute catch up, but there's something that gives me great joy in that. Because even if that relationship has moved on and we're, you know, we don't see each other, there's a connection. So I like to just continue to honor connections, whether they were for a year, whether it was for a month, whatever. To me, I've learned, I usually learn something from anyone that I have a connection Mm -hmm. to. And so I also, you know, for those that have moved in and out of my life, I, you know, I still honor honor that. Yes. Because there's a reason we come into contact with each other. Agreed. But I do want to point out that as we sort of go through our own inner healing and our own sort of personal evolution, you know, it does seem that we can outgrow mm-hmm. relationships. Yes. And that we start to crave more authenticity and more depth. And I think that's actually to come full circle. That's when we found each other. Mm-hmm that we had both been sort of on this inner healing journey for a while. And, you know, we were, were craving a deeper, more real connection. And we sort of found that in each other. Um, the superficial connections didn't hold the same interest for right. us anymore. Right. So encouragement to everyone that you get to decide, you get to discern, you don't have to just stay in the old default relationships just because that's how it's always been. I think there is, um, there's something important about evolving. Yep. And there's seasons in life. Yeah. And, you know, being honest with yourself about what it is you need right now and putting it out into the universe. This is, you know, if you're looking for more of that connectivity, do some things to kind of try to draw that in and reach out to another woman. I mean, a lot of times we have that list in our head of like people I'd love to reconnect with. Yeah. Um, or someone that you miss. And so as you're exploring those relationships, it's kind of, it is fun to reach out. And, and I think we all need more of that human connection right now. I think it's so important. Um, but then recognizing that, yes, there are different levels of relationship yeah. and, and that that's, it's important to, to acknowledge that and want that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So who do you want to champion today, Kate? This was hard for me because there's so many friends, but um, I had a friend this year that has gone through a particularly difficult time that I've known since I was about two, my friend, Anne, and she's had a really hard time um, with um, a family illness. And she and I connect um, every so often in over the phone. Um, I'm very, you know, I love her children and her husband and I 
watched her kind of navigate this hard time. And um, I sent her an elephant, actually, the elephant um, mm. from the elephant circle mm. recently. And she just reached back out and said, where'd you get that? I need that to give that to someone else as well. And so we've been having these conversations about really showing up for each other. Beautiful. And so I honor her because um, it's been a very vulnerable time for her. Um, she has the best laugh in the whole world. She will laugh at anything I say, which is also one of the reasons I love her um, ever since we were little. Um, and so those childhood friendships that were, you know, people knew you from the beginning. Yeah. There's really something special about those. So Beautiful. I honor her. Beautiful. Well, I want to champion my newest close friends, these three women that I was on retreat with. And then really were the impetus for me to think about how certain women may not feel close to other women and why that might be. They've taught me so much on so many levels. So I want to champion Kelly, Lark, and Janet, who literally live all over the country. Actually, one lives in a foreign country. And so I love that you championed some of your oldest friends. And I'm championing some of my newest friends. Um, but that there is still, uh, for us, uh, these new friends, quite a depth that we traverse together and a really deep connection. Like I hold them very close to my heart. And, um, so I want to send out big love to them for really all the lessons they've taught me. And I'm sure they'll continue to teach me. Yes. And to all the friends out there, to all the friends out there and to all the friendships that are yet to come. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, Kate. Hello, listeners. We want to let you know that we have so much gratitude that you join us in these conversations every week. We want to continue to uplift and connect with women-owned businesses and businesses that are supporting women. So if you are one of those or have a recommendation for someone that may want to sponsor an episode, please have them reach out at tendherwild.com. If you are needing a reprieve, from the fast pace of our modern life and want to connect a little deeper to yourself, I would love to see you at my next retreat, which happens to be in the Cork countryside of Ireland <clears throat> this September 24th through the 30th. You can join Kate, myself, and Kimberly at this retreat. And it's falling at a very auspicious time because we will have just move through the fall equinox and we're moving to days that are shorter. So this is the perfect time of year to begin to draw inward, to slow down, and to really drink in the beauty, which will be rampant in Ireland in the fall, uh, to sort of support you and nurture you over the winter months. If you are curious about this retreat, you can check out more and how to register for this. We have, I believe, just a couple spots left. Uh, in the show notes. I can't wait. I can't either. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorlandcoaching.com.
Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. <laughs>